Hello, this is Nadia Ram. And I'm Jeff Suarez Grant. And this is Get With The Program. Yeah, here we talk about a question we have about online course design. As we help faculty build their courses, we have our own questions. Hey, Nat, what's our big question for this episode? The big question is, how do we know whether course objectives are relevant to students? Oh, okay. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, this came up um, reviewing faculty work. How do we determine that what we're writing in the objectives is relevant to students' lives? We asked faculty this, but I kind of want to know a little bit more about how I would evaluate it on my own. I love that one faculty was candid and shared that many in her own department had questions about her discipline, like maybe it wasn't so useful in the real world. So what I liked about her strategy is that she focused on the verbs and ensured that the verbs hone in on a skill that students would develop within the course. So the course was biological anthropology and the objective was students would differentiate science from pseudoscience, explain the main components of the scientific method, differentiate theory from hypothesis and more. So basically, skills that students learn can be applied in different contexts and in daily life. I thought it was interesting how the verbs and the initial object are not really laden down with uh, jargon. And they're not really discipline specific either. Yeah, I mean, hearing you read out those objectives, I feel like those would work really in any, you know, kind of intro science course. And this is actually anthropology. Um, yeah, I mean, did, did the faculty feel like they were taking too much of the discipline out of the objectives, you know, to make the statements more transferable or like universally useful to students? I think they may have been filled out later in terms of specific context or results of the objective that may have been more um, discipline specific. So they may have revised it later to add those details in. But the basic objective as it is could be transferred to different subjects. Um, objectives that emphasize critical thinking, evaluation of facts, and so forth. Stepping back, you know, we love this stuff. We love student-centered, measurable objectives that are appropriate to the course level. We love that as designers. This is an intro to biological anthropology also. And maybe that lends itself to these kinds of broader objectives that can easily be transferred to different skill sets. So I guess my question is, is this something unique to this particular course? Yeah, I mean, you started by describing the verb. You know, the verb describes something the student's going to do, not something the course will do, not something the instructor's going to do. Um, and so that's that's a kind of very subject matter agnostic strategy, you know, to ensure that the objective is relevant. If the students can't even see themselves doing what's described in the action, then I don't know how it could lend itself to being relevant to them. Um, if they can't see themselves as the actor in that action, um, if they can be the actor, they are the ones doing the action, that's going to certainly be more relevant to them. And, and I wonder, too, if there's more, you know, that we can embed inside the objective. You know, what kind of additional details can we put in that, that helps with relevance? For example, differentiate science from pseudoscience. We could probably state something like to infer appropriate conclusions based on analysis of qualitative empirical data. So I think that's more detailed, but yet generalizable. And then when would students do that though? Like how does the faculty member like give students some hints about when they would actually 
do that, maybe even like outside the course, I think that really helps with the relevance for the objectives. You know, when I'm done with this course, you know, what type of situations would that action be useful? You know, how can that get embedded into the objective statement? So the course objectives are a foundational piece, but then you can think about and go on to more granular objectives that we call sub-objectives, and then also the assignments. So faculty could have an assignment where students are asked to differentiate science from pseudoscience in their everyday lives. There's lots of opportunities to do so, and they could even share that with each other and share how they approach the problems. They can then reflect on how the real-world skill helps them with the academic work. So I would say probably one assignment or activity that has students differentiate science from pseudoscience in a real-world format. Kind of build on that and have different assignments that apply that to anthropology. And if you have a setup that links the assignment to the more granular objective to the course level objective, students can see that pattern. Yeah, I can kind of see that. So you can, you scaffold it and you start out with something that's pulled from their, their lived experience, maybe something having to do with social media, uh, maybe evaluating like a, a scientific seeming post on Facebook, but then they, they kind of determine how, how legit that is or whether it is in fact pseudoscience or just straight up misinformation. And like, that's the warm up activity. Then later you, you give them the actual anthropology content, um, but they've warmed up at that point and they've kind of practiced some of that, um, you know, differentiating, you know, science from pseudoscience. That's the skill that's, you know, going to be useful. Um, and they're then going to, you know, practice it with specific subject matter in the course. And again, that's a great way to scaffold it. It's actually having students also reflect on anthropology as a discipline itself. It's anthropology. We're having students basically look at real life, but then they can also reflect on how anthropology as a discipline, you know, is a part of real life as well. Um, a discipline is people making arguments. A discipline is when people make arguments, make counterclaims, their egos are involved. It's a person to person environment. So it's, I think, good to even see academia and a specific discipline as a culture and a skill they can transfer their skills to also. This helps them adapt to this new environment of college. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. You know, I feel like a lot of students, you know, have this idea that subject matter, like the discipline, that everyone's in agreement, that everything's settled, but, but it's not settled. You know, there's different disciplines, there's convergent and divergent disciplines. Um, there are fields where no one even agrees or likes each other, you know, and with students, they're, they're kind of like observers or spectators. And so I wonder if that's maybe where the relevance piece comes in, you know, letting students know how they can participate, you know, different avenues for continuing in that discipline. But maybe if they're not, you know, going to be a major in anthropology, if that's not going to be their major, you know, at least teach them or show them how to be an informed spectator, you know, kind of someone looking out from the, in, from the outside into that particular discipline. Yeah, that's something I learned too, uh, trial and error. Um, when reading a catalog as a student, I felt everybody had sorted it out. Everybody had accepted their role and their sphere of influence. But these disciplines fight amongst themselves. So you as a student are kind of placed within that intellectual argument, which is part of the spirit of the university. You have arguments and search for truth. 
you have arguments and search for truth in a dialectic way. So I feel it's great if you give students those skills and let them know how they can apply it to both real life and what they're going through right now and explain what you're doing and what they're doing. I think that would help make it relevant for many students. Yeah, so picking up on that thought, you know, going back to assignment design, you know, the faculty, you know, helps unpack the purpose of the assignment. This reminds me of um, Marion Winkelmans's work, you know, the transparency and learning and teaching framework. And, you know, a big piece is that opening um, paragraph in the assignment instructions that's kind of referred to as like the purpose statement. And really the whole point is to just establish buy-in with students. You make the pitch for why the assignment's important. You tell students, you know, how that assignment and the skills are going to practice in the assignment connects to their daily lives and potential future careers, future field of study. And I think that's a pretty useful way of getting the relevance and purpose across to students, that tilt framework. And we actually use it in our own faculty development programming. So when we, when we give faculty an assignment, we, we frame those instructions using the tilt framework. I think many faculty are using that framework from our previous programming. It's a great way for faculty to communicate to students and let them know that what they're doing is not busy work, but relevant to their progress in the course. So we talked about objectives. You know, the choice of verbs helps make sure the student is the one who's doing the action. And that lends itself, I think, to relevance. Then there are those like supporting structures, like assignment instructions that have a purpose statement. But then going back to like the micro level of the objectives, you know, the, the sort of details that we can put into the objective statement that help the students understand what the action is, you know, is it possible to include like context and results inside the objective statement? Um, and these additional details might be helpful, you know, might help focus the action. You know, we can, we can describe like the circumstances in which the action might occur. Like if this happens, if this context is what's happening, this is the resulting action. I think that can really help with the relevance piece. Um, I don't think it's a perfect solution. You know, that alone won't convince students, you know, why it's relevant or why they should take it seri seriously. But I think that context can help give some, some additional background for the action. I think context and results are quite specific to the course they're in and the subject matter. Like there was another objective I was looking at. This is from a history course. It's assess how the political, social, economic, and cultural forces that define the American experience under British rule and how that led to the American Revolution. So I find it hard as a designer looking at this. It has great context and some results there, but I'm finding it hard to make this relevant to students' lives. I'm wondering what, what do you think about that? Yeah. So, I mean, if it's looking at like a political, social, economic, or cultural force, I wonder if we can signal to students that this type of analysis is also useful for our current time, you know, being able to examine other types of political upheaval. It's not just necessarily, you know, overthrowing British rule again, but other sorts of turmoil that are occurring, you know, currently in American government. You know, the objective you just read out, it's it's already a pretty robust statement. I don't know that adding any more to it would be wise. It, it might just kind of convolute the statement. Um, but, you know, we were talking earlier, you're talking earlier about sub sub objectives or components. Do you think those could help with relevance here? Yeah, I think that's one of the strategies. Um, 
you may not be able to see the relevance of the main objective, but when you break that down into its components, then one of those components could have a reflection or be aligned to a reflection that brings that out. So you can start with students reflecting on cultural and political forces that define their current experience under the current administration, and maybe you can isolate different forces that are similar to British rule or something like that. So the term, the verb reflect is interesting. Give some students some agency to connect what they've been learning about history to their current life. It basically invites them to do so. Sometimes I do think it's too much for a single objective to contain relevance and all other attributes. Here a little design can help. You can break down the course level objective into sub-objectives. One of these sub-objectives can more precisely connect to an assignment that's relevant to students' lives, like a reflect assignment. So what do you think about that, Jeff? Yeah, it reminds me of another kind of taxonomy for learning, and that's, um, you know, do you think significant learning? You know, with that taxonomy, th what they kind of proposed was that different objectives kind of had different jobs beyond just the subject matter. Um, so you wouldn't need to worry about every single objective conveying relevance and connections. You, know, you could have multiple objectives, multiple sub or component objectives that do different things, and then some of these objectives actually address like application of information, integrating information, connecting it. And so with that reflect um, verb, you know, that's very much metacognitive that could go along with the connection objective. And it extends the subject matter, I think, beyond the scope of the course. So like maybe the objective is actually like reflect on how this subject matter, you know, is relevant to today. Like maybe that's, you actually use those words, you know, reflect mm. and relevance. Um, and then that signals to students that they're, they should apply, you know, the skills of analyzing political, social, economic forces from the American revolution. But how can you continue to do that? Like, how can that skill be used in present day? I like how that taxonomy builds in caring and metacognition. Our current design, we do recommend integrating knowledge, skills, and attitudes into three or eight main course level objectives. That's a great way to recognize different things and integrate that within one whole design document. Yeah, and I think I think it's helpful to to say that like you you might want to pace yourself, right? Like focus mm -hmm. on you know just improving the measurability. You know, do your objectives actually describe students something students will do, and then once you perfect that in your course design, you know, then you can go ahead and look at how to add in the context and the results. And then maybe after that, the human dimension or the caring dimension, because having all of that together is a pretty sophisticated mm -hmm. course design. And, you know, as you work on your online course, you know, think about, you know, saving some of that sophisticated design for like a phase two revision of your course, you know, see what the foundational stuff, how it works out, whether students are understanding, you know, just the basic action that you're describing in the objective, figure that out, adjust that, and then come back and think about other taxonomies and how to structure in, you know, connections, integration, and kind of the human and caring element to learning as well. Yeah, I like that. I think start simple, um, start with student-centered. Students are the, the subject of the sentence, make it sure it's measurable. And once you have workable objectives, then you can 
you know, peer review with your department colleagues or with instructional designers about how to add context and relevance and caring and metacognition into your objectives. But we do want to start with that measurable base. Now, thank you for joining us and I hope this is an introduction to this. A continuous improvement is our main thing, iterative course design. Um, thank you for joining us on this journey. So I just want to go back to the question we had. How do we know whether course objectives are relevant to students? Yes, yeah, so I think firstly, you know, make sure the skills they're learning, um, you know, that it's actually the student who's doing the action. And then you can start to think about whether those skills, the learning that's occurring is maybe transferable to other fields and contexts. Um, and then don't forget there's other structures in your course. Your objectives don't need to do everything. You know, think about your assignment instructions, think about the tilt framework for the purpose statement. Um, that's really very useful for an additional structure. And that way you don't have to worry about your objective statements doing everything and them getting so so long and robust that they then start to kind of lose, lose their meaning. Um, and then what about asking students? I think after you finish your online course, you teach it once, get some feedback from students at the end of the semester, you know, ask them, you know, how relevant were the course objectives, you know, whether they can kind of see themselves continuing to do some of those skills uh, in a future course, in a future career context. I think some of that student feedback would be really helpful. I think that's a great way to conclude going back to the students. Pay attention to your students because then you can calibrate your instruction to their needs and hear about how that worked out for them. I totally agree with that. Thank you, Jeff. And I think this concludes this episode of Get With The Program.